Welcome to the Awareness Offerings Podcast, a weekly offering of yoga philosophy discussion and guided meditation for the moments we're living in. I'm your host, Laura Tara Davy Joplin. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher, spiritual social media strategist, and integrative counselor, working to integrate the principles of the spiritual path into every aspect of my work and my life. This podcast is an extension of that work as I navigate the world as a white woman devotee of yoga, living at many intersections of privilege, living in the West, and trying to live with awareness. Thank you for joining me in this work. You're listening to episode one, Mirrors, Manipulation, and Meditation. I'd like to begin this podcast episode and all of these podcast episodes that I am now beginning to offer by singing the sound of Om. It's a sacred Sanskrit sound that means consciousness. It is said to be the primordial sound, the first sound ever that contains all the other sounds in the universe. And so it represents that universal force of consciousness. And you might hear it sung at the beginning of a yoga class, meditation practice, a sacred ritual, as a way of calling consciousness into the space. And so I would like to call consciousness into this space, because really that's what these podcast episodes are all about. Just honoring consciousness, getting curious about consciousness, and calling in more consciousness. The name of this podcast is Awareness Offerings, but to me, awareness and consciousness are very similar. And so I want to call consciousness into this space first and foremost. And so I'll offer the sound of OM. You're free to join me by singing aloud yourself or just by listening silently. If you'd like and if you're able, you can find a comfortable seat with a long, spacious spine, however you might do that for yourself. You might soften your jaw. You might close your eyes if that feels comfortable, but if it doesn't, don't worry about it. Especially if you're driving, please do not close your eyes. (laughs) And we'll take a full and deep breath in first. And exhale. And then we'll inhale for one sound of OM. Thanks for joining me in that practice. And now on to the discussion for this episode. I'm wondering if you've ever heard this phrase or something like it. If I say anything that upsets you or triggers you, I'm simply holding up a mirror so that you can see where you need to grow. This is an idea that seems to come up a lot in the cultures of yoga and spirituality, especially on social media. I actually had something very much like that said to me recently in a social media exchange. And I'm getting curious about whether or not this is truly a conscious response, a conscious way to be in discussion and community with each other. So I'm going to dive into that and discuss that and explore that a little bit. And then I'll offer us a practice that will empower us to to look at our growth areas, to really look at those spaces where we can grow 
and to respond to those around us, whether in these kind of tense exchanges or just in our everyday community with each other from a place of authentic consciousness and compassion. So first, let's talk about this phrase or this idea, this concept, I should say, this notion that if someone says something that upsets you or triggers you, whatever language that you would like to use around it, it's always about you and it's never about them. It's never about the person saying it. And I want to start by acknowledging that it is absolutely important to recognize our growth areas in any situation. If we are people who are on a spiritual path, on a yogic path, on a path of growth and awakening, part of that is deep self-awareness. And so it is important to always be turning toward ourselves to see where our stuff, right, our stickiness, our patterns are coming up in it. In fact, in my lineage of yoga, I, I study with an incredible Atlanta-based yoga teacher and Swami, which is a yoga monk, uh, and her name is Swami Jayadevi Bhagavati. And actually, she is Acharya Swami Jayadevi Bhagavati, and Acharya means master teacher. Uh, so she's this incredible teacher. And one of her teachings and the teachings of her teachers and the lineage of yoga that she studies and offers to all of us, her students, one of the teachings is about the arrow of discernment, right? Whenever there is a, a situation where whenever there is friction, anything coming up, especially in interpersonal relationships, rather than firing the arrow out at the other person, our work as folks who are on a yogic path or working to be conscious is to turn that arrow back toward ourselves, to sort of willingly pull it into our own hearts, to let our hearts open, and then to be kind of available and aware enough to see where our stuff is, where our patterns are, and where we can grow in it. And so I am very much a proponent of that self-awareness, of that conscious and intentional practice of turning toward ourselves and looking at the places where we need to grow. So to a certain point, I do think that this concept of, oh, if I say anything that triggers you, it's about you. I do think to a certain point, it makes sense. But I think beyond a certain point, it does not. And there is there are a couple pieces to this. One, I think that there's a difference between self-awareness and shame. I do think it's possible to be so almost overly dedicated to self-awareness that we veer off into the space of constantly beating ourselves up for these perceived failures or shortcomings. And so on a simple level, I do think it's important when we're doing this work of looking at where our stuff is coming up in any interaction, um, I think it's important just to not to, to be very conscious not to um, go so far into self-awareness that we are shaming ourselves and that we're adding this heavy weight to our hearts. Because what we're really trying to do as people on the path of yoga is be a little lighter, right? Like be a little more free. I've been taught that yoga is a practice of liberation. And so we're not trying to add heaviness or shame to it. So I think of, you know, using the practice of self-awareness while avoiding shame is one really important component of being aware around this concept. 
I also think that if there is a person saying to us, if I'm saying anything that triggers or upsets you, it's about you and how you need to grow. I'm just holding up a mirror. I think past a certain point, this becomes a way to blame. It becomes a way for the person saying this to blame the other person for having a reasonable response to unacceptable circumstances or behaviors. It becomes a way to blame the other person for having a reasonable response to unacceptable circumstances or behaviors. So I'll give you an example. Say you are having a conversation with someone about kind of, I'm going to use a social justice issue as an example. And so I will use uh, gender equality as an example. Say you're having a conversation with someone and they say that they don't believe that women should have equal pay, right? And this is a very layered topic, uh, one that I am not all the way qualified to dive into, and it would take a whole other podcast episode and probably another guest uh, on here with me to to unpack. So I'm kind of using this as a surface level example. Um, So know that there is much more nuance to this, but just for the sake of this example, say you're having a conversation with someone and they just straight up say to you, I don't believe women should have equal pay for equal work. And you become upset by that. You have a strong reaction to something that feels unjust and unacceptable to you. And then that person responds by saying, oh, you're just triggered or upset because I have triggered something in you that you need to look at. This is a growth area for you. And that's where I would challenge that and say, no, I don't think so. In a situation like that, and I do think these kinds of discussions come up in many different ways, but in a situation like that, Being upset or triggered is a reasonable response to unacceptable circumstances or behaviors. And on that same note, I do think that this this phrase, this assertion by folks who say, if I say anything to upset you, it's about you and where you need to grow. I do think that that becomes a way to reject all responsibility for what you say and do while asking the other person to be responsible for themselves and for you. So it's, again, it's always about the other person. It's never about the person that's saying the upsetting or triggering thing. It's always about the person who's upset or triggered, never about the person who is doing the upsetting and the triggering. It becomes this complete rejection of responsibility. And to me, I find that a little bit illogical to ask someone to be so responsible for themselves to to take on sort of this superior stance of saying, I'm just here to show you where you need to grow. So what you're what what someone who's saying something like this is doing is, you know, asking the other person to be responsible for themselves and their reactions while at the same time rejecting their own personal responsibility in the situation. And I'm wondering how can you at the same all how can you in one breath ask someone to be fully responsible for their reactions to you while rejecting all responsibility for your own stuff and your own patterns in the situation? 
To me, that seems like it is very much not rooted in self-awareness. And what's really interesting about that is I often, and I think many of us do, hear and see this phrase. I'm repeating it so that it's clear sort of the realm that we're working in here. So we often hear this phrase, if I say anything that upsets you or triggers you, it's about where you need to grow. And I'm just showing you where you need to grow. We often hear this from people who are in the world and the culture of yoga, spirituality, meditation, and mindfulness. And inherently, those are practices that ask us for that self-awareness, right? Like we talked about, that discernment, that turning toward ourselves. But to reject all responsibility for what you say and do while blaming the other person for their reaction and asking them to be self-aware around their patterns, to me, that is not rooted in self-awareness at all. Again, it's this contradiction of asking for complete self-awareness from the other person in the exchange while completely rejecting self-awareness on the part of the person who is saying this, who is doing the upsetting or triggering in the situation. And again, the paths that we're walking as folks in the yoga, meditation, and spiritual realms are deeply rooted in the responsibility of self-awareness, not just going around and telling other people that they need to be more self-aware, but personal self-awareness so that we can be in community with each other better. So this blaming, this deflection of if I've triggered you, it's about you, it's not rooted in self-awareness. And so I really can't conclude anything else than that it's not really aligned with the principles of yoga, of the spiritual path, which is what we all say that we're trying to live by. And finally, my my last thought about this concept, this this, um, sort of tactic of telling someone, if I've upset you, it's about where you need to grow and I'm just showing you where you need to grow. My last thought is that it's manipulative. For all the reasons that I've discussed so far, It is manipulative to completely deflect all responsibility and self-awareness while asking the other person to be completely responsible and self-aware. And manipulation is also not rooted in the principles of yoga and the spiritual path. And in fact, it can start to mirror patterns of abuse to be that manipulative. And so again, there's nothing else I can conclude as I sort of explore and unpack this concept of, you know, I am here to show you where you need to grow when I upset you. It's not about me. It's about you. As I unpack this, the only thing I can conclude is that this indeed is not a conscious response and a conscious way to be in spiritual, yogic, mindful community with each other. And so the question then becomes, how can we, how can we be in conscious, yogic, spiritual, mindful community with each other, especially when it comes to these interpersonal dynamics where it's so easy to deflect blame and to turn away from self-awareness? How can we turn toward self-awareness for each of us so that it is not the responsibility of the other person that we're interacting with so that we can then be in more loving community with each other? And this is where practice comes in. 
this podcast, the Awareness Offerings podcast, it's a hybrid. It's one part discussion of yoga philosophy, which we have just done around this, this concept we've been unpacking together. And it is one part guided meditation. And so now I'm gonna offer us a practice that gives us the space to do that work of turning towards self-awareness, not asking anyone else to do it for us or deflecting responsibility without shame, and then choosing how to respond to ourselves without shaming ourselves or deflecting responsibility onto anyone else, and how to respond to each other without creating these sticky, unconscious spaces, okay? So this is a practice of hesitation, what I'm about to share with you. I've been taught that the art of hesitation is one of the most powerful thing, one of the most powerful skills we can cultivate within ourselves so that we are not rushing into reaction. Because it feels like if we are the person saying to someone else, if I'm upsetting you, it's about you, that's actually a reaction. It's not really a response, it's a reaction. And then, of course, if we're on the receiving end of someone saying that to us, it's easy to either lash out at the other person or lash in and take what they're saying to us and internalize it and assume that we are at fault and then turn that into shame. So I'm wondering how we practice hesitation in order to respond differently in situations like that and in all situations where there's room for more consciousness. And so we'll go into meditation to practice and ultimately embody hesitation together. So again, I invite you into a comfortable seat. If you're driving or cleaning your house, this might be the time to pause the podcast and then pick it back up a little bit later when you have a little room to sit and do a little embodied practice. So if you're coming into embodied practice, we'll find a comfortable seat. A comfortable seat is any seat, as long as your spine is long, spacious, and upright. We want the spine long and spacious because it's the central channel. It's the central line of the body. It's the center line of the skeletal system, the nervous system, the energy system. And so when it's long and open, everything can kind of line up and flow. And we want that as we go into our inner experience. We want things kind of flowing and moving and calibrated. So that's why we want the spine long. We want the spine upright so that we don't fall asleep. And if you fall asleep during meditation, I am never going to fault you for that. But typically meditation is a consciousness practice. So we wanna be conscious. So you find a seat where your spine can be long and upright. You might be sitting on the floor. If you do that, I encourage you to sit on a blanket, a pillow, a cushion, anything to lift your hips higher than your knees, which is gonna give really nice space for your hips and lower body. You could also sit with your back against the wall. You could sit with your legs crossed, but you don't have to. You could sit with your legs outstretched, with your knees bent. You could sit on your heels or on a block or a prop between your heels. You don't have to sit on the floor though. You could sit in a chair, sit on your bed, just find that space where you can get your spine long and upright. From there, first, actually, before we talk any more about posture, I just wanna offer you the affirmation that you are free to take care of your body throughout this meditation practice. 
Of course, in general, we, in general, we want to try to be relatively still in meditation because meditation is a practice of inner stillness. And when we hold the body pretty still, it creates the conditions for us to tap into that inner stillness. But we also don't want to torture ourselves. So if you're right in the middle of meditation and your hips are on fire, your shoulders are in pain, and in general, you're just in such a state of discomfort that you can't even concentrate on your inner experience, in my opinion, that doesn't really help you meditate. And it's better to wiggle around a little bit if you need to, to take care of your body and then go right back into stillness. So if at any point you need to move, adjust your seat to take care of your body, I encourage you to do that. But now we find a way into a comfortable seat. You let the arch at your lower back curve forward, kind of the basin of energy at the bottom of your spine, opening that up so that the energy of your life force, your prana, can flow freely up and down the spine. You pull the shoulder blades backward and drop them slightly down away from your ears. So the center of your chest lifts and you go into this embodied consciousness practice, this meditation practice with the posture of an open heart. You soften your jaw, bring your chin level with the floor and then pull your chin ever so slightly backward. This is to get your neck in line with your spine. We're typically forward-leaning people because we're looking at our screens all the time and just in general, we like to lean forward. So we wanna pull the chin back so the neck is in line with the spine and you just have this steady column, this central line of the spine all lined up. From that place, feel free to close your eyes if it feels supportive. If it doesn't, you could just gaze softly at the ground or at whatever is in front of you. We begin to turn our gaze inward, turning toward that self-awareness, toward that consciousness that yoga and the spiritual path ask of us. One strong and effective way to turn inward, turn toward ourselves, is through breath awareness. So you might begin to notice the natural rhythms of your breath as your breath comes in through your nostrils and out through your nostrils. If nostril breathing is not accessible for you, breathe how you need to breathe, but you might just notice the texture, the temperature, the feeling of the air coming in And then going back out. You might notice the way that your belly expands on your inhale. And contracts on your exhale. Of course, if breath awareness is not a comfortable practice for you, you might notice instead the beating of your heart the feeling at the center of your chest, your tailbone as it touches the earth. You might notice the backs of your eyelids or the clothes on your skin or the air on your skin. Just choosing any single point of awareness to draw yourself in to a space of awareness that is a little more steady 
and quiet than all the constant going and stimulation of the world around you. If you're able, that single point of awareness is your breath or choose the one that works for you. turning toward yourself. This simple and compassionate posture, this act of meeting yourself, tending to yourself as you are right now. As you start to tend to yourself, your breath, whatever single point of awareness you're choosing to focus on, you might also become aware of the different pieces of your experience. You might become aware of physical body sensations, emotional experiences that you're having and feeling in your body. Just tending to them, acknowledging them, witnessing them just like you would witness your breath or witness waves in the ocean, ripples in the water, just witnessing no value judgment to any piece of your internal experience right now. That includes the thoughts. Your thoughts might come and disrupt the practice of quiet awareness that you're cultivating through meditation. And that's okay, it's natural. You can release yourself from judgment around having thoughts in your human mind, even as you meditate. We're not trying to force the thoughts out. We're just trying to go to a space that is deeper, steadier, more quiet than the constant turning of thoughts. So when the thoughts come, you could just say, not now in just a neutral inner monologue. You could say to the thoughts, not now, which is a practice that comes from Ma Jaya Sati Bhagavati, the guru of my yoga lineage, my teacher's teacher, saying not now to the thoughts and then coming back to that single point of awareness that you chose, whether it's your breath, your heart, whatever it may be. teaching yourself to meditate by cultivating awareness. It doesn't have to be the most profound thing you've ever felt. It might be. It doesn't have to mean anything or even be anything. Just acknowledgement, witnessing, awareness. This is how you teach yourself to meditate.
And now that we've established this space of awareness and meditative practice, we'll go into our practice of hesitation, where we teach ourselves to pause and let our awareness fill that pause so that if in any interaction we do have inner work to do, we can see that without lashing out at the other person or taking on any blame or shame. So that ultimately through the practice of hesitation, we can be in community with ourselves and each other from a place of deeper compassion, consciousness, and authenticity. And so to do this embodied practice of hesitation, we're going to explore the space between the breaths. In the tradition of yoga, the breath actually has four parts. The inhalation, the pause after the inhale, the exhalation, and the pause after the exhale. Whether we know it or not, there is always a little bit of space between the breaths. Together, we're gonna work with lengthening and emphasizing that space between the breaths because that space between the breaths is hesitation. It is a sacred pause where all of our energy moves into that pause and that space of stillness. So we have room to respond without blame or shame. This practice does involve pausing the breath, holding it in and out. If that's uncomfortable for you for any reason, you can simply go with your natural breath and just notice that split second after the inhale, after the exhale. But if it's comfortable, we'll play with lengthening that space together. So we'll start with a deep breath in through the nose, if that's possible. Pause with the breath in. Exhaling through the nose. Pause with the breath out. Inhaling through the nose. Pause with the breath in. Exhaling through the nose if you can. Pause with the breath out. Breathing in. Pause. Breathing out. Pause. 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 Now continue that pattern of breath at your own pace. No force in it. The pause can be as long or short as you want or need it to be. I'm going to talk to you a little bit, but you continue with that breath pattern. Inhale, pause, 
exhale, pause. Emphasizing and exploring the space between your breaths. And I've been taught that if we can find the space between our breaths, we can find the space between our thoughts. And that space is where all of our energy, all the power of our mind kind of rushes in almost like water rushing into a crevice under a rock and it fills that space of stillness so that we can be still, we can hesitate, we can look at the places where there's room to grow, but we don't make it anyone else's responsibility and we don't make it our shame. Hesitation as a practice of self and community care. And so we practice this art of hesitation with the breath a few more times. Inhaling, pause. Exhaling, pause. At your own pace. And just noticing what happens and how it feels in that moment of hesitation. Take two more full rounds of this four-parted breath. And then return to your natural pace of breathing, just releasing the pattern of that breath and noticing how you feel when you practice compassionate hesitation. And then from here, take a deep breath in through your nose. Sigh through your mouth just to ground your energy after that practice. Two more. Last one. And you can begin to blink your eyes open and just return to your space, 
taking your time and feeling how you still hold that inner stillness and compassion, whatever qualities you cultivated in practice, they don't just fly away once the formal meditation is over. You get to take them with you and that's kind of the point. So thank you so much for joining me for discussion and practice around compassionate hesitation, especially if someone else is telling us that our being upset is about us needing to grow or if we're the ones telling that to someone else. Just practicing compassionate hesitation so that, so that we can look at our growth areas without making it anyone else's responsibility or turning it into shame. To me, this feels like a path into conscious community and living the teachings of yoga. I'm interested to hear how this practice landed for you and how you feel about this concept and the ways that we worked with it today. Thank you for joining me for this awareness offering and for going into embodied practice with me. You can find me on social media at Laura Tara, L-A-U-R-A-T-A-R-A, on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. My intro and outro music was created by none other than my very own brother, Oxella Sun, O-X-E-L-A-S-U-N, whom you can also find on Instagram. <laughs>